as you're just joining us, welcome to our service this morning as we gather together to hear God's Word and journey through our series in the Lord's Prayer. It's wonderful to be worshipping together today, and if you are here with, with us for the first time, please drop us a message. Put your, uh, put your name and where you're watching from in the comment section. Hit one of the reaction buttons. It'll be wonderful to interact with you. Part of doing a whole live stream is the ability to interact. And uh, we'll get to those comments uh, hopefully immediately. And if not uh, straight away, then through the week as well. Welcome if you're watching live. Welcome if you're listening to one of the podcasts or watching on YouTube sometime later on in the week. Good to have you with us. The peace of the Lord be with you, friends. Thank you. Won't you take a moment, if you are with somebody, greet them and pass God's peace to them as well. Let us open with a word of prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we gather together today in places where we are physically, physically separated, but spiritually connected. We thank you, Lord God, that you are above time and space, that you hear our prayers, that you receive our worship as a collective body, whether we are worshiping in this moment or later on in the week or whatever format. Lord, time means nothing to you, neither does space. And you receive our worship from grateful and glad hearts. This morning, Lord, we wish to honor you with every part of who we are. We wish to draw closer to you, to gain more of an understanding of how you want us to relate to you. To journey a little bit, Lord, in a sense of knowing that intimacy with you. And in finding that our prayers, we gain a greater sense of connectedness with you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us through this time. Minister to us in such a way that those thoughts that we have would be a reality for us. That in listening to your, your words, we hear your Spirit talking and find that you are directing us and guiding us to lives of greater faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the teachings in Scripture that we have, for the stories of Jesus for the wonderful moments in which things he spoke and taught his disciples are recorded for us to read for all time. And we thank you for the Lord's Prayer, the teaching that Jesus gave the disciples on, on relating to you. Lord God, as we worship you in your greatness and majesty, we rejoice too that we call you Father, that you are here with us, that you love us and care for us. And for this, Lord God, we honor you with our whole being. We ask that you would receive our worship from grateful, loving hearts, that each moment of the time spent in front of our TVs or our computers, we would be conscious of you with us. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Friends, for those who are part of Bundaberg uh, Congregation, the city congregation, 
Just a, an in-house announcement quickly for those who are watching from other parts of the world, just uh, if you don't mind just excusing for a minute as we make this sort of housekeeping announcement. But there's been a very important newsletter with some significant and exciting developments taking place in both the city and the coast. And I've written about it in that newsletter, which you would have received by email on Friday. At our presbytery meeting in Budrum yesterday, it was a very long drive for Ian and I. We left at five in the morning. For those not uh, living in Australia, Budrum is almost four hours away from us. We drove four hours for a meeting on one day and four hours back the same day. In parts of Europe, you'd be across two countries for having done that. In Australia, you haven't even left your own postcode. But uh, we drove all the way to Budrum. We had a presbytery meeting, and uh, the presbytery looked at the hopes and the dreams and the plans of uh, city and coast congregations for the future. And in order for things to move forward, for the congregations to be able to follow the, the mission and the, the ministries that they believe God is calling them to, we need to have a special city congregation meeting, and we need to do this as quickly as possible. So there will be a special face-to-face -face city congregation meeting at 2 o'clock on Sunday, the 2nd of August, here at the church. Special congregation meeting, 2 o'clock Sunday, uh, the 2nd of August, in the church. There will be another email going out confirming all of those details. But please be assured that we have also signed on and taken very seriously our COVID-safe industry plan for places of worship and all of the COVID measures will be in place. If more than the maximum number of people that we have capacity for turn up, then we will make plans to utilize both the deck and the hall. City congregation meeting, 2 o'clock Sunday, the 2nd of August, here in the church. Then also there is an elders meeting on the 3rd of August, and uh, that's an important meeting for us to have in the light of the conversations taking place. Then uh, one last announcement, and uh, this is for everyone. Connecting Conversations is back. Last week we spoke to Shane Foley as we um, chatted a little bit about the Lord's Prayer. Tune in this week, Tuesday night, as I chat to another special guest, and uh, we chat further about the sermon today. We're continuing looking at the Lord's Prayer, and uh, our readings are from Psalm, Psalm 9, verses 1 to 11. And Luke 11, 1 to 4. Psalm 9. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and, for you have upheld my right and my cause sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. But the Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations 
what he has done. I love verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And then in Luke's version of Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray, Luke 11, verses 1 to 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we gather to hear your word, may you speak to us through these words we pray. May it be your voice we hear. May it be your words that land softly in our souls. May your Holy Spirit speak in a way that for each of us we find relevance in what is said. Above all, Lord, may we know that it is you talking. In the name of Jesus, amen. As I said last Tuesday night in our Connecting Conversations with Shane Foley, he and I were chatting about the Lord's Prayer, and I was owning up to my tendency to rush through it at times. And, well, you, you know, I mean, nobody, nobody likes to admit when they're wrong, but I do have to actually own this one, primarily because there is now video evidence on the Internet, and it can be viewed, as the Lord's Prayer says, forever and ever. Amen. So you can't uh, really deny that kind of proof. All you can do is try and change it. Well, the next day after I'd spoken to Shane, I was doing a funeral of one of our dear and loved members here in, uh, in the city. And part of the funeral service is the Lord's Prayer. So I was determined, absolutely determined, to pray it in the way that I have been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. Slowly, reflectively, carefully, prayerfully. And it was in that moment that I realized how often I must actually rush through the Lord's Prayer. Because no sooner had I started to pray than I noticed in the congregation one of the regular members, head bowed, they crinkled their forehead as I started, then tilted their head to their side as it was a little bit confusing. I then noticed that one eye went open to see if I was actually doing okay, if something was wrong with me praying this prayer so slowly. Looked at sort of was okay, closed the eye and carried on praying. In all seriousness though, to pray this prayer in that kind of manner takes concentration and a specific decision, a determination that it won't be something that just gets rattled off. But it is so rewarding to do it that way because the richness and the beauty of the words with which Jesus taught us to pray bring us into a connection with God that is an, an amazing experience. 
And as we were saying in that connected conversations, there may even be times when you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to pray, maybe even times where you don't even want to pray. But when you start saying this prayer, when you start using the words that Jesus uses to relate to the Father, it is amazing how the experience of prayer connects us to God and brings us into a sense of God's presence. This is, in fact, what we've been saying over the last two weeks as we've embarked on this series. The Lord's Prayer is so much more than just a few nice-sounding verses that can be rattled off by heart. The Lord's Prayer is a glimpse into the intimate relationship that Jesus shares with the Father, and it's a model, it's an opportunity for us to pursue this incredible, deep, and beautiful intimacy with God. It not only brings a sense of of intimacy, but it also becomes a practical pattern for living a faithful Christian lifestyle. Because contained in those few verses is, is a way in which we can bring all of our life, past, present, and future, into all of the fullness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What a privilege it is to connect with God in this way, to be taught by Jesus to connect with God in this way. What a privilege to call God Father and experiencing and experience Him in this this intimate, personal manner. As a God who wants to be related to like that. As a God who wants to be connected with. A God who desires to spend time with His children. Last week we began to look at the actual prayer in detail and started off with the first two words, Our Father. And we delved deeper into what the word Father actually means and, and why Jesus wanted us to speak to God in this way. As I said, if you have missed any of the series, then please pop onto the YouTube channel or listen to uh, one of the podcasts and, uh, and catch up on whatever you've missed. But if we truly call God Father, then there are, there are implications to that that we need to take seriously. It makes a difference to how we see ourselves. If we are considered by God as, as worthy of calling Him Father, if we are considered by God as His precious children, well, that speaks volumes about His love for us. It speaks volumes about how precious you are, how special you are. But calling God Father also has the effect on the way we treat others because He invites others to call Him Father also. And we realize that people we interact with are special too. They too are God's precious children. And when we truly say the words, Our Father, we recognize that we are standing together with brothers and sisters in Christ, our Father. Now, I did promise that I wasn't going to go through the Lord's Prayer two words at a time. And so today we're going to look not at two words, but at two lines of the Lord's Prayer, where we say, Our Father, in heaven, our, sometimes we say, who art in heaven, our Father in heaven, or our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Both of those sentences follow on from Father, and there's this, this growing sense of wonder and, and magnificence as we start this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be 
your name. Now, when I was a child, this part of the prayer, I imagined, was kind of like addressing an envelope and making sure that you got the postcode correct. You were saying a prayer to God, and where was God? He was in heaven. This was where the prayer was going. For those of you who are a bit younger than me and don't know what an envelope is or what the significance of a postcode is, ask your parents. I guess maybe today you'd say that this was like getting the right email address or perhaps uh, the correct Twitter handle. And for those who are older than me that don't know what those things are, ask your grandchildren. They'll tell you. But that's what it was for me. When you said, Our Father in heaven or Our Father who art in heaven, I thought it was about a physical place where God was. And I imagined him sitting there on some glorious throne, receiving all of these prayers coming in. And, and then as you think about that, you'd get distracted as you start to imagine the, the beauty and the wonder of what heaven is like. It reminds me of a Sunday school teacher who was busy uh, expounding at great length about the wonders of, of how beautiful heaven is, the pearly gates, the streets of gold. And she ended her little sermon to her, <clears throat> her Sunday school class with, a, with an enthusiastic invitation. And she said, so, how many of you want to go to heaven? Well, as you can imagine, the whole class, all of the members, immediately raised their hands, all except little Johnny. So the teacher looked and she saw one of, the, one of the hands were down and she thought, well, she better double down on the, the explanations of how wonderful heaven is. So she spoke a bit more about the great joys and the beauty and the green fields and the rolling hills. And she said, then, now, how many of you want to go to heaven? And again, all the hands went up except little Johnny's. The teacher was so saddened by this negative response from him that after the lesson she dismissed the children and she confronted him directly and she said to him, Johnny, why don't you want to go to heaven when you die? And immediately this look of incredible relief came across little Johnny's face. He said, oh, of course I want to go there when I die. It's just that the way you were speaking, I thought you were getting a busload of us together to leave right now. The wonders of heaven is not the reason. It's not the point of saying our Father in heaven. As I said, the initial section of the Lord's Prayer is concerned with the, the glory and the wonder and the magnificence of God. And so as we say our Father in heaven or our Father who art in heaven, it's not meant to be a geographical statement of where God physically is. It's meant to be a statement of reverence of awe, of wonder, of admiration, of adoration. When we say, our Father in heaven, it speaks of the fact that in God, pure love, as we saw from the word Father, pure love and pure holiness are contained in the sense that they are combined together. It's a statement that reinforces for us that, that God in, in His love and power and awe and majesty perfectly holds in balance this sense of beauty, the sense of, of, of wonder of the heavens with the sense of love and intimacy of a father. When the love and the power and the reverence for God are placed side by side, we remind ourselves each time we pray this prayer that the power of God is always motivated by the love of God.
But there's another important part to this declaration of, our, of God our Father in heaven. And that's the fact that, that heaven resides wherever God is. There was a couple sitting in church where the minister was preaching on heaven. And he said, this heaven is a beautiful place. It's a wonderful place where, where there are no finances, there's no money, there's no dollars, there's no cents. The young man looked at his wallet, looked at his wife and said, Honey, I think we're in heaven. And sure, if the lack of finances is an indication of being in heaven, then I'm sure that many people have gone to heaven, perhaps unwillingly. But the truth is that heaven is not a place away from any of us. Because heaven resides where God is. I don't want to go too deeply into this aspect because it forms a significant part of the next sermon in where we look at God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. But it is important to mention the fact that, that all too often the focus on heaven is on the place that you go to when you die. But think about it for a minute. The real attraction of heaven shouldn't be that it is a, a green-heeled, wonderful place that is filled with gold. The real attraction of heaven is that it is a wonderful place filled with God. Take God out of it, and it's worthless. Heaven is the place where we encounter the awesome, majestic, wonderful, loving God. And this is the reason that Jesus begins his ministry with the words, the kingdom of heaven is here. Other translations have it, the kingdom of God is here. Which means that God is not locked away in some celestial postcode. Heaven is wherever God is. In fact, the translation of the Lord's Prayer that we use is actually wrong. It's not our Father in heaven. It's actually heavens, plural. That means everywhere. Our Father in the heavens. So God is not in some faraway spot, but He is present right here. He is present as, as far as you can imagine, and He is present right down to the atmosphere that surrounds our heads, which is the beginning of, of the heavens, everything. The sense of what Jesus is saying is that our Father is always near us. But if we really pray this part of the prayer sincerely, if we really believe that, then our lives have to change. Because we begin to live in the presence of God here and now. We begin to, to change the way we act, the way we think, the way we reflect, the way we give. It all becomes radically different if we imagine the presence of God right here, all around, in this moment. Our Father in the heavens. The next line, though, is a statement uh, or request in which we say, Hallowed be thy name. Or as some translations have it, Holy be your name. Or even, Let your name be holy. Which would probably be a far better version to use than the word hallowed. We don't really use the word hallowed uh, anymore today, we sometimes uh, gets mentioned around Halloween and, and Old Hallow's Eve. It's not a, a word that is familiar to our, our modern-day English, English language. 
far better to use something like let your name be holy. Last week I shared about the little boy who began the Lord's Prayer and, and said, Our Father who shouts in heaven, hello, what's your name? Well, what makes that joke funny is that it's not just the cute confusion of the kid, but it's the fact that what we are saying is the exact opposite of hello, what's your name? We are saying holy is your name. May your name be holy. May your name be treasured. That's what hallowed means, to treat a person or thing as holy. And the word holy means different and separate and above other things. So what we're actually asking God is, let God's name be treated differently from all the other names. Let God's name be given a position that is unique, that is above other names. May your name be treasured and loved more than any other name. May your name be held in an absolute unique position amongst humanity. In the Hebrew understanding, a person's name was never just a name. It was much more uh, than just something to call them. The name of the person reflected their nature, reflected their character, reflected their personality. Like if, uh, if, uh, if we were all Hebrew, I would be called dashingly handsome. Well, maybe by Debbie, but still, I'd take that. But that was what it was like in, I'm kidding, by the way. That's what it was like in Hebrew understanding. That's why God changes names to people at a certain time and gives them new names that reflect their nature or their callings that God's placed upon them. He says to, uh, to Peter, you are known as Simon. Now you shall be called Peter because Peter means rock and on this rock I will build my church. Your name will signify what I have called you to do. It will signify your character and your nature. Go back into the Old Testament. Abram, which means father, is changed by God when he makes a covenant with Abraham, uh, with Abram, and he changes it to Abraham, which means father of nations. This name will reflect the covenant I make with you. You'll be the father of nations. Sarai, which means, uh, which means princess, is changed by God after that covenant to Sarah, which means my princess. God's princess. How beautiful is that? Psalm 9 that we read earlier speaks of this nature summed up in the name of God. I will tell of your wonders and sing praise to your name. You are our refuge. You are our stronghold. Those who know your name know that you are trustworthy. Those who know your name know that you have never forsaken us. So we pray hallowed be your name. And what we are essentially saying is, Father, enable us to remember to give you the unique place that your nature and your character deserve. Let us treat all the things your nature reveals to us, your love, your trustworthy, your promises, as different from any other, for you are above every other. A name above all names. May your name May you and your name be, be honored in all of this world. It's an acknowledgement that, that the world will continue to struggle and flounder until the name of the Father is held in the highest possible regard by everyone. And it starts with us. Our Father in heaven, 
Holy be your name. Holy be your name. Let me end with a story. It's a story about the president of, of one of the, the largest theological seminaries in the United States. His name is uh, Kenneth Hemphill. And he tells the story about the day that he left home to go to college. I think he was about 18 or so, the usual age that, that kids would head home for, uh, head out of the home to, to start college in the States. And he was said his goodbyes to his family and he was walking down. They had a long driveway, walking down the long driveway to his car when uh, he heard his dad catching up behind him saying, Ken, just wait up. Let me, let me just talk to you for a second. And Ken expected to get a, one final list of do's and don'ts from the old man, you know, one last little lecture about, about how to behave before driving away. But to his surprise, his dad shared with him just one request. And he said, Ken, you are my son. And the only thing of value that I have to give you is already yours. And that is my name. Treat it like I treat it. Don't take it anywhere I wouldn't take it. Don't do anything with my name that I wouldn't do with it. It's my only request. Ken had never thought of the family name in that way, and basically from that day on, he measured what he did by how it would reflect on the family name, on his name. If he deemed that a certain activity would reflect poorly on his name, he wouldn't do it. If something would honor the name, then he did it. He's an old man now, but his life has been quite amazing. He's written books, he's pastored churches, he's received doctorates, he became the president of the theological seminary for the longest running time. Uh, he's been involved in the training of, of, uh, minister, of training of ministers, other people who will be going out faithfully to teach the good news of the gospel. When we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we are praying a prayer in which we have a role to play in how it is answered. Because our Father's name is also our name. He gives it to us. We are His children. We carry the name of God. And if we are carrying the name of God and praying that that name be holy, our lives need to reflect that. We are part of how that prayer gets answered, part of how the name is held high in all of the world. So as we pray these two lines of the Lord's Prayer, <clears throat> our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May we know that our lives are lived in the presence of God. They're surrounded by, by the essence of God, by his Holy Spirit everywhere we go. May we know that to pray the prayer that God's name be honored and respected and held in the highest regard, well, that begins with us. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Father, always near us and within us, your presence fills the heavens all around us. May your name be treasured and loved in this world and in our lives. May this be our heartfelt, most genuine prayer. Every time we pray together the prayer you taught us. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, as uh, many of you have continued to faithfully give, we thank you for your uh, work and for the work you do to support this church in its ministry in this community. Thank you to those who have dropped off their offering at the office. Thank you to those who have placed offerings through uh, electronic means into the church account. Shall we bring those together with our intercessory prayers to God? Lord, we pray that your name would be holy in all of this world and in all of our lives, over every aspect of our life. And so, Lord, the gifts that we give, we give to honor you. We give so that you may know, Lord God, that you are the most important thing in our lives. Nothing, not possessions, not, not anything we own, takes precedence over you. We love you, Lord, and wish to honor you with these gifts. Take them and receive them. May they be a blessing in the work of this church. Use them, Lord, to build your kingdom. We pray, Lord God, for those who do not know you, those who are in need of your touch, those who are suffering through illness. We pray for those, uh, the backpackers who have uh, lost everything in the fire on Monday night. With a, the sense of uh, being left alone, Lord, we, we think of how, how difficult it must be for them. We pray for the, the business owners of, of the backpacker and the spotted dog and pray that you'd be with them. We pray, Lord, for those who have lost in any way whatsoever. We think of those who have lost loved ones those who have lost jobs during this time of COVID, those who have lost pensions and financial security. We pray for those who are scared, fearful of, of falling prey to, to illness for, for the vulnerable state they may be in. Whatever those thoughts are, whatever the losses are, whatever the worries are, we bring to you thanking you, Lord God, that you care more than we could ever imagine. And just as you say to us, call me Father, just like a father, you, you reach into our lives and seek to guide and direct and, and be with us in these moments. We commit these with the unspoken prayers of our heart to your precious name. Amen. Thank you, friends. I look forward to uh, seeing you at the congregation meeting next Sunday at 2 o'clock. And uh, till then, may you have a wonderful week. See you on Tuesday night with Connecting Conversations. The Lord bless and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.